morning. It's always a good thing to worship together, to join together as a body of believers, and just really hear the Lord and minister to him. That's always a delight. And so thank you, Lynette, uh, for the good wishes and the prayers. So this morning, as she mentioned, we are continuing on the series of the parables of Jesus. Anybody here who is new, this is your first time um, in this church? Okay, yes, we've got one person. Welcome. Wow. Thank you for choosing to join us. <laughs> we always do this. So you're embarrassed once, and that's it. After that, you're part of the family. So welcome. Um, we love you, and really, after the service, please introduce yourself to a few members, and we'd love to really hear from you. Um, and so, for, just for your sake, uh, the others are probably familiar with this, we have been doing a series uh, on the parables of Jesus. Um, and basically, these are short stories, um, not very long, short stories that Jesus told his followers to give them knowledge and understanding about the kingdom of God, okay? As believers, we are in the kingdom of God, but it's good to grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of the kingdom of God so that we can really prosper and be successful in our journey, okay? So if you have missed any of these teachings, they are available. They're actually available on our website. Thanks to Patrick. I don't know if Patrick's here. He's sort of run out. Uh, Patrick really does a fantastic job of uploading these things on our website. So if you're here and you've missed out on some of these teachings, you can go to our website, or if you know somebody who can benefit from some of these teachings, you can basically pass the link uh, to them, and they'll be able to actually listen in. So today we are going to look at the parable of the unforgiving servant, the parable of the unforgiving servant. This parable is really focused on forgiveness. It's focused on forgiveness, and it's a relevant, a very, very relevant teaching for all believers, for all believers. Because no matter how long you've walked with the Lord, really, and no matter how spiritually mature you are, people will sin against you, and people will, for, people will offend you, and that's a reality. So we need to forgive those ones who are crying. <laughs> That's the first, you know, it's a good practice, eh? Okay? Ah, oh, bless you. <laughs> bless you. We are going to forgive you. It's a very practical application. Okay. So, um, like I said, no matter how spiritually mature you are, no matter where you are in your journey with God, people will offend you. That's the reality, and you will need to forgive them. Plus, whether you like it or not, you will offend people. Okay, that's a reality. You will offend people, and therefore you will need to receive forgiveness from them. You will need to learn how to walk in peace with them, even if, you know, sometimes people really don't forgive you, but you need to learn how to walk in peace with them. And so this parable, through this parable, Jesus, Jesus teaches us about receiving forgiveness from God and walking in forgiveness with God, and then extending that forgiveness to one another. So it's very valuable and very helpful. So, so let's go to the Gospel of Mark, of Matthew, sorry, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. 
Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35. That's where the parable is contained. And I'm going to read through. Um, and then we're going to pick on some very valuable lessons on forgiveness from this parable. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children on all that he had and payment to be made. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him and said, pay me what you owe me. And so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, from your heart. It's an interesting parable, interesting story. And what I've done is picked seven lessons, what I believe are key lessons that we can learn about forgiveness um, through this story that Jesus told. Here's the first lesson. Forgiveness comes at a great price. Forgiveness comes at a great price. Forgiveness is not cheap. It is not easy. And many of us who have been hurt by others know this. You know this. You've experienced this. It really will test your faith as a Christian. So in this parable, the cost of forgiveness is clearly, clearly demonstrated. And the story begins when Peter comes to Jesus and asks about how often should I really forgive? And his first um, uh, proposal is seven times. And he thinks he's being generous, seven times. And Jesus' answer is recorded by some Bible translators as 77. Okay, my translation actually 77, says 77 times. And in some Bible translations, it says 70 times seven times. Okay, those of you who are mathematicians, 70 times seven times is 490. <laughs> okay, I think you will bear witness. 
So how often should we forgive? Is it 77 times or is it 490 times? Actually, it's none of this. When Jesus says 77 or 490 times, he's really not saying that we should count the number of times we forgive. He was actually saying that forgiveness should be limitless. Limitless. There is no limit to forgiveness. We really should not be counting the number of times that we forgive one another or forgive others. And then Jesus goes into the parable and he demonstrates certain things. And he says, he starts off with this king, the king in this story, who is owed a huge amount of money. And in some translations, um, in the Amplified, it actually translates what this amount is, 10,000 talents. It's equivalent to 10 million US dollars. 10 million US dollars. So in Uganda shillings, maybe 36 billion Uganda shillings. Now think about it. How does a servant accumulate so much money in debt? Clearly, it must have been over a long period of time. Either this man was stealing the money, or he was taking it and investing it and investing it really, really badly. So he lost it. $10 million or 36 billion Uganda shillings. Whatever the reason how he accumulated this debt, it was really a very large debt and it had been accumulated over a long period of time. As a servant, you don't lose 36 billion, 36 billion or $10 million in one day. It's something that's accumulated over a long time. Now, in my observations, there are two main reasons why people justify unforgiveness. Two main reasons. And yes, even we believers normally use these excuses or explanations, whichever way you want to put it, why we should not forgive. Number one is that we believe we've been offended many, 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 many times. So I don't know if you've had this explanation. You know, Monica, he or she did this or did that to me over and over and over and over again. You've heard that, or you've maybe said it yourself. Or he or she is always saying, always saying, always saying this against me. So it's this, this continuous counting. Or the other, the other thing that we normally bring up is the fact that this offense is too big. It's, I cannot forgive because what they did to me is so painful, so big, so hurtful and so evil against me. So normally, those are the two things that we normally raise up when it comes to holding on to unforgiveness. And these statements actually show, whether we like it to say it or not, but they show there's a counting thing going on in our heart. You understand? There is a subconscious counting and valuing of what is being done against us. You may not be counting one, two, three, four, five, six, but really you are keeping records. You are keeping records. And these records often justify, and you pull them up again and again, and you justify while you cannot forgive. Either you have been offended too many times, or the offense is too big, too painful, too hurtful to release, especially when it's done against you by people that you know, people who are very familiar and very close to you. You know, it's one thing to meet somebody in a taxi, they do something against you, and, you know, it's a stranger, so really, you just release and you go on. Or you meet somebody at an airport, they do something against you, and you release and you go on. So, chance encounters with strangers, very easy to forgive. But people who live with us, who are part of our family, and who continuously do things against us, and they are often big things, we hold on, we count, 
You know, um, in the stories of the Rwanda genocide, people who've heard about the Rwandan genocide, it's about maybe, I think, in the 80s, 90s, when they went through a reconciliation, and they were, they were really, after the genocide, they were trying to really bring reconciliation and, um, and uh, really healing in the country. And the testimonies that would come out, many of the people would testify that, on one hand, the pain was coming from the fact that, you know, somebody was really, really out to hurt and to cause pain and to murder your relatives. But what compounded the pain was the fact that many of these people were people that we had lived with, they say. People that I knew, people that were my neighbors. And in some cases, it's people that were my relatives. So if a Hutu is married to a Tutsi, then the Hutu takes up you know, an axe or, a, or a, you know, all these weapons that they were using and hacks his wife to death. Very painful when it's done against you within your own family. So in this parable, Jesus recognizes the pain and the hurt that is caused by, you know, by these things that are continuously afflicting us. He recognizes the hugeness of them by talking about the fact that this king was owed a huge amount of money, and he recognizes the frequency, the fact that you know, this debt was accumulated over a long period of time. And yet, this king, this king made a decision to forgive the debt. So the reality of the matter is that it's not really easy to forgive. It's not easy to forgive a debt of $10 million. It really isn't. You don't just ignore it and write it off and say it's well. Someone has to pay. And so who paid the price? In this story, who paid the price? It's the king himself. You understand? The servant really didn't pay. I mean, he was forgiven. But the king had to pay the price. He had to write it off. And who knows? He had maybe potential investments. He had things that he wanted to do with his money. But he had to write it off. So it cost the king big time to actually write off this debt. Well, in the same way that in our relationship with God, um, we had a great debt to pay. And there's nothing in all of creation that could have paid for my disobedience and my sin against God. There is nothing, really. So what did God do? He did exactly what this king did. He didn't just write it off or ignore it. He actually paid for it. He paid for it in his own body. It says he himself bore our sins, bore our sins. The debt was completely paid in full when Jesus, that is God in Christ, died on the cross and paid that debt. It was not really just ignored or written off. It was paid for by the king himself, by Jesus himself. So this is the first lesson we need to understand, that forgiveness comes at a very, very great price. It really is not easy. Forgiveness comes at a great price. The second lesson we learn from this parable is that forgiveness is possible. Forgiveness is possible. Okay? The king told the unforgiving servant that he should have mercy on his fellow servant. He should have mercy on his fellow servant. You know, if the king is telling you to do something, it means it is possible to do it. You have the capacity. This is what the king was telling this servant. You have the capacity to forgive your fellow servant. Now, you may have had people make this kind of statement, and I'm going to quote. I cannot forgive. I will not forgive. 
Some of you have heard that statement, and they mention why. I cannot forgive this offense that was done against me. I will not forgive this offense that was done against me. People have said that, and maybe some of you sitting in this room have said that. There's something someone has done against me. I cannot forgive. I will not forgive. Now, if you're an unbeliever, that statement actually holds true. You cannot forgive. You will not forgive. It's a true statement. But for an unbeliever, an unbeliever, for a believer, rather, for a believer, someone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, this statement is really not true. You can actually forgive. A believer has the capacity and the ability to forgive. You can forgive any wrong that is done against you. The question is, do you choose to? Do you choose to? And why do I say with such confidence that you can forgive? Well, every believer has the ability to forgive because every believer has in them the spirit of Christ. For those of us who came in early, when Alex started off with the service, he talked about the fact that we have God's spirit on the inside of us. We are the temple of God. We have God's spirit dwelling on the inside of us. And that spirit is very active. That is the same spirit that enabled Jesus to cry out on the cross, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. That same spirit is resident on every believer sitting in this room. And that same spirit is the same spirit that enabled Jesus to forgive the sins of the whole world. So you have the capacity and the ability to forgive literally any sin, the sins of the whole world, because the spirit of Christ dwells on the inside of you, is living on the inside of you, and so it gives you that capacity to forgive. So we are commanded to forgive just as Christ has forgiven because we have that ability to forgive just as Christ has forgiven. Now, when Jesus told Peter that you need to forgive 77 times or 490 times, Jesus was really not telling Peter to count, Peter to count, but really Jesus was empowering Peter to forgive. He was empowering his listeners, his apostles to forgive. Um, Jesus was telling Peter that he had the capacity and the ability to forgive. It's really not about the numbers. It's about the grace that you have been given to forgive others. You have been given an empowerment, an ability, a favor to forgive others. Okay? One of the definitions of forgiveness, you know, forgiveness really in, in its biblical definition means to release, to let go. But it also has another definition. It means to, um, to extend grace or favor to another person. It's one of the definitions of forgiveness, to extend grace to another person. So the question is not really whether you can or cannot forgive for a believer. The question is, are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to forgive? Do you choose to forgive? There is a famous person, some of you may know her, um, Corrie ten Boom. Uh, some of you may have heard about her. She was a Dutch many years ago, and she was involved in really helping the Jews. The time of the Nazi, you know, when they were persecuting the Jews, she was involved in really helping the Jews to escape persecution. Um, and at the time, she was based in the Netherlands, and they caught her. Actually, the Nazis caught her and they arrested her, and they took, the, took her to the concentration camp, her and members of her family. And there she was tortured, 
um, very painfully. Uh, members of her family died in that concentration camp, and she watched them die very painfully. And she managed to actually, she was released out of that concentration camp. Um, it was really an act of God because she wasn't supposed to be released. And then she went around the world. For many of her years, she was going around the world talking about forgiveness and so on. So one day she actually went back to Germany and she was preaching in, uh, she was talking about forgiveness in this church. Um, and then one of her um, captors, one of the people, the prison guards, was in the service. And after the service came up to her, and she recognized him. She could actually remember. She recognized him. And she remembered this was the guy who tortured us and inflicted a lot of pain to us. And so he came up to, up to her and asked for forgiveness. He said, I was one of, the, you know, one of the guards. I caused a lot of pain, but I have received the forgiveness of Jesus. And so I want to come to you and really ask for your forgiveness. And she said, you know, hatred rose up in her. That was her first reaction. The fact that this man... How dare he? But then she turned to the Lord and she prayed about it. And out of that prayer, she got the strength to really forgive this man. She took her hand and she shook him and says, I have forgiven you. I have forgiven you. Despite the pain that you caused, I have forgiven you. And so she has a quotation. She said, forgiveness really is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the heart, regardless of the emotions of the heart, regardless of the temperature of the heart. So forgiveness is really an act of the will. You can forgive. The question is, do you choose to forgive? And you're going to be tested in this area again and again. For some of you, the minute you walk out of this church, you will be tested in the area of forgiveness. For some of you, it will be tomorrow. For some of you, it will be the day after. But always remember, when someone comes against you, you have the capacity to forgive. The question is, are you willing? And Jesus told us and taught us to say, not my will, but, but yours, O oh God. So let's choose to do the will of the Father. The third lesson, forgiveness is freely received and forgiveness must be freely given. Forgiveness is freely received Forgiveness freely given. There is an important principle, an important truth in the kingdom of God that doesn't just apply to, the, to for, for forgiveness, but applies to many other blessings that we receive from God. You see, here is the truth. You and I as believers are receivers and recipients of God's blessings. You are a receiver, and therefore you have the capacity to give. You are like a vessel. The Bible actually compares us to vessel. You have the ability to receive and therefore to also give. So whatever you are commanded to give, you have already received. And this is why we are told, you know, in scriptures many times, for example, we are told freely we have received, freely give. We are told that we are blessed in order that we can be a blessing. We are told that we ought to learn, love one another because Christ has loved us. So we have received we ought to flow freely with these things that we have received. And let me put it another way. Um, if you struggle to bless others, to love others, to forgive others, it's probably because you have not received. The reality is you cannot give what you have not received. And those who were here last week, um, in the testimony that uh, Patrick's mom gave last week, if you remember, 
And she mentioned the fact that you know, when she was young, she was not loved. She struggled with really receiving love. It was a big struggle. And so as she grew old, even giving out that love was a real struggle because she had not received. And that's an important principle in the kingdom of God. To the extent that we receive is to the extent that we're able to give out. So in the same way in forgiveness, if you receive forgiveness, you have the ability to forgive others. Now, if you struggle to forgive others, then I say this as politely and as kindly and as respectfully as possible. If you struggle to forgive others, then it's because you really don't understand or appreciate how much God has forgiven you. So this was a problem with the unforgiving servant. He did not really appreciate how much he had been forgiven. So he couldn't extend it to his fellow servant. He, he had been forgiven a debt of $10 million. $10 million, the magnitude of that. And then he went to his fellow servant who owed him, it says he owed him 100 denarii. 100 denarii. 100 denarii is equivalent to about 20 US dollars. And then seizing this fellow servant, he began to choke him saying, pay me the debt that you owe. Imagine that. So let me ask you this morning, whose neck is between your fingers? I'm asking myself as well. Whose neck is, and some of you have many necks between your fingers. How much does your brother or your sister owe you? And I get it, maybe it's not $20, maybe it's $100, I get that. <laughs> or perhaps it's $500, I get that. Whatever it is, it does not compare, it does not compare to how much God has forgiven you. And God did not just forgive us the debts of our past, but forgive, he forgave us our past, our present, and our future sins. Everything, totally, absolutely forgiven. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says, and you who were dead in your trespasses. Imagine that, you were still dead in your trespasses. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, far from God, God made alive together with him, that's together with Christ, having freely, you know, in the Amplified it talks about having freely, without reservations, unconditionally forgiven us all our trespasses, all our trespasses. And he did this by cancelling the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Okay, this debt he set aside, nailed it to, a, to the cross. So friends, if you're struggling in this area of forgiveness, it is really worth spending time to go to the cross, spend time and effort and meditate on how much you have been fully forgiven by God Almighty. Only then will you be able to receive and then extend forgiveness to others. Amen? Are you being blessed? Yes. Okay, so the fourth thing that we learn from this parable is that forgiveness must be from the heart. Forgiveness must be from the heart. Forgiveness is really a heart issue, not so much a head issue. Okay? And Jesus emphasized this in the very last verse of this uh, narrative, of this uh, parable. Forgiveness is from the heart. There's a difference between head-based forgiveness, in other words, forgiveness that is coming from the head, and heart-based forgiveness. Forgiveness from the head is kind of based on um, reasoning or logic. Okay? It's, it's often conditional. 
If you've had these kinds of statements, or maybe you've said them yourself, you've said things like this, I'm forgiving you because I really have no choice. In other words, if you had a choice, <laughs> you would not forgive. Okay, that's reasoning, that's, that's logic, that's, uh, you know, head-based for, head forgiveness. Here's another one. I'm forgiving you because I have to live with you. In other words, if I really didn't have to live with you, I would not forgive you. Here's another one. I'm forgiving you because, anyway, you forgave me the last time. In other words, if you did not forgive me the last time, I would not forgive you. And here's another one. I'm forgiving you because you're my friend. You know, we are companions. We work closely, so I forgive you because you're my friend. In other words, if you're not my friend, I really would not forgive you. So that's conditional forgiveness, head-based forgiveness. Now, Jesus changes that. Jesus really um, gives us a different perspective. He says forgiveness must be from the heart. Heart-based forgiveness is really about compassion and mercy. It's about compassion and mercy. You extend forgiveness towards someone because you love them, because of the compassion and the mercy you have towards them. And they come from the heart. So, friends, as believers, we have a new heart. God has placed a new heart on the inside of us. So we have the capacity to actually forgive from the heart. And this heart forgiveness is based purely, unconditionally, on love and compassion. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 5, um, it talks about God's forgiveness. And God forgave us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. It talks about, you know, it's easy for someone to die for a friend. But for someone who, to die for an enemy or for somebody who is against them, that's hard. And that, this is exactly what God did. He forgave us while we were still sinners. And then goes on to say, while we were enemies of his, while we were still his enemies, he forgave us. He forgave and reconciled us to himself unconditionally. So Jesus reveals and demonstrates God's nature, God's heart towards us through many of the parables. I don't know if you've noticed, many of the parables talk about, you know, a father who had compassion. That was in the, in the prodigal son. A master who had compassion and love. A king in this parable, who has great compassion and love. And Jesus is really at pains to demonstrate the compassion and the love, really the heart that God has towards us. So his love, his forgiveness towards us is really based on this compassion, this mercy that he has towards us. Now, we have the nature of God on the inside of us. Like I said earlier, we have the spirit of God in the inside of, the, of us. We have the heart of God and the very nature of God on the inside of us. So we, too, have the ability to forgive and to forgive unconditionally from the heart. Amen? Okay, so forgiveness is from the heart, must be from the heart. Fifth lesson, lack of forgiveness results in torment. Lack of forgiveness results in torment. So unforgiveness can result in negative consequences for you as well as for those that you choose not to forgive. When this servant refused to forgive, you know, there were consequences. He was thrown in jail until he should pay his debt subject to the tormentors in the jail. Now, some people sometimes interpret this by saying um, that God will not forgive you if you don't forgive. 
which is true under the law, under the system of that time, true. God will not forgive you if you do not, uh, if you do not forgive. But it's not so for us who are under the new covenant. God has actually already forgiven us in Christ Jesus. We are recipients already of God's forgiveness in Christ Jesus. So God will not take you and throw you in jail. Okay, whether it's a perceived jail, a real jail, an imaginary jail, God doesn't do that. You know, um, and there are many scriptures that confirm this. At the Last Supper, for example, Jesus says, this is my blood of the new covenant. We've just celebrated that and reminded ourselves of, of that. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So we have been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we are not going to jail. Or God does not, in a sense, God does not throw us in jail. But if you think about it, why does Jesus raise this issue? Why does he talk about the unforgiving servant being thrown in jail? What is he trying to say? Well, Jesus is highlighting an important truth. If we do not forgive, then we will not walk in true freedom. That's really the heart of it. If we do not forgive, we will not walk in true forgiveness. We will be tormented. We'll be tormented. Now, the definition of torment is to suffer misery and pain in mind and in body. That's really what torment means, to suffer and be miserable and be in pain in mind and in body. The reality is lack of forgiveness can lead to negative emotions such as anger, such as bitterness, and such as strife, things like that. Forgiveness, unforgiveness can even result in sickness. You know, one time, I remember many years ago, I was, um, I was in a room, and we were waiting for interviews. We were being interviewed. Somebody had you know, put an advert on the, on the, on, uh, in the newspaper. They wanted, to, they wanted a certain job to be filled, and so I had gone, um, and I had submitted my applications, et cetera, et cetera, and then had been called for the interview. So there were several of us in that interview waiting to be, in that interview, in that room waiting to be interviewed. And I sat next to a lady, and this lady was very vocal. Um, she talked a lot. And she was, in her talking, she was talking about some of the pains she was experiencing, really. She had just separated from the father of her child. She was going through a lot. And she said something that struck me. She said, you know, every time I see this man, I hate him. I really, really hate him. So much so that if I see him, I literally feel sick. I feel nauseous. I feel like throwing up. That's the pain of unforgiveness. It can literally cause you to be sick. Okay, it causes torment. In James chapter 3, verse 16, it says, where envying and strife is, you know, where there's unforgiveness, there's a lot of strife, there's a lot of bitterness, there is confusion and every evil work. Imagine that, every evil work. It's not just a few evil works. So every evil work that you can imagine, sickness, poverty, oppression, every evil work thrives in the midst of strife, bitterness, anger, basically um, fueled by unforgiveness. All these things can torment the body and the mind. So learn to forgive, really. It will set you free. It's for your sake. It's not the other person's sake. It really starts with you. It's about you. When you learn to set people free, when you learn to operate in this atmosphere of, of forgiveness, you will operate in, that, in really genuine freedom. And this is what uh, Jesus is talking about in this section of the parable. 
And then lesson number six, forgiveness has tremendous benefits and rewards. Forgiveness has tremendous benefits and rewards. It will increase your ability to receive blessings when you forgive. When you forgive, it increases the ability to receive blessings. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but normally God blesses people, blesses you through other people. I don't know if you've noticed that. You receive blessings through other people. Hmm? So your spouse can be a source of blessing. Your employer can be a source of blessing. Your neighbor can be a source of blessing. So if you operate with a forgiving heart towards these people, it increases your ability to actually receive blessings through them. But if you walk in unforgiveness towards them, it limits your ability to receive and walk in the blessings that God has for you. Imagine your neighbor whom you offended yesterday, leaving his house this morning. And so what you do, you cross the road to avoid speaking to them because of yesterday's offense. And then in doing so, you possibly miss out on a lift to work or to church. Imagine that. Or your boss, who places very, very high demands on you the whole week, asking you to submit a report and then correct it again and again and again. And you're tired, you're fed up. So you avoid her, you avoid her calls the whole weekend, the whole week. This person could actually recommend you for a promotion. I actually experienced this one time. I remember I had a boss who was very bossy. Very difficult. I mean, this person would call you at 10, 11 in the night, demanding reports, asking for you know, certain things to be met way before deadlines, asking things to be corrected over and over again. And so I went to the Lord one time, and I said, really, this is too much. Help. <laughs> and so the Lord spoke to me. He says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Operate in grace towards the person. And so this went on for many months. But one day, this man calls me into his office, and he says to me, I like your work. You're very hardworking, so I'm recommending you for a promotion in this, this, this place. And so he recommended, gave me a recommendation, and sure enough, we went to this place, and really, it was a place where I earned a lot of money. I was really, really blessed, really blessed in this particular new position. So God had blessed me through this person. Now imagine if I had reacted negatively with unforgiveness, walking in unforgiveness and pain and heart and carrying all this pain and heart and even, you know, sometimes we really react to the person and tell them off. Imagine if that had been the case. It would have blocked my uh, blessings. So really... Forgiveness has tremendous benefits and can be the channel. You know, when you forgive people, people, people the people you forgive can actually be the channel through, through which God blesses you. And, you know, some of these examples I've mentioned are petty, but it's really amazing how they build up and become major issues in our relationships with other people. So if God wants to bless you through these people, sometimes it will be a problem because you have essentially blocked them out of your life. Okay, you have a hard heart towards them. The Bible encourages us in as much as possible to be at peace with all men. Be at peace. It may not always be possible, but as, in as far as it depends on you, that's what it actually says, in as far as it depends on you, be at peace. Live at peace with others. This means we need to be ready to extend this forgiveness towards them. Now, that does, that mean, does not mean that you forgive others because you want blessings from them. 
<laughs> okay, I'm forgiving you because I'm expecting something back. That's really not the heart of it. The heart of it is we extend forgiveness out of compassion, as I've mentioned. And in every story of true forgiveness in the Bible, you will see blessings flow as a result of forgiveness. One very good example is Joseph. Joseph, when he forgave his family, forgave his brothers for what they had done, relationships were restored, and they enjoyed protection. They were protected from starving as a result. And I can go through many others, but because of time I won't, but one I will mention is God's forgiveness towards us. You know, God's forgiveness towards us was not just canceling a debt. But there were amazing consequences to that. We are restored back in relationship with God. Every time I go to God, my Father, I do so without any sense of guilt or shame or condemnation because I have been forgiven. So I'm restored back in relationship with him. Plus, I have every spiritual blessing. According to Ephesians chapter 1, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing as a result of what Christ has done. So forgiveness comes with great benefits to you and to those around you. Amen? Okay. So those are the six, but I want to finish off with, um, in a sense, a seventh one. And this is really just to clarify something about forgiveness, because sometimes it causes confusion amongst believers. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. It really doesn't. It doesn't mean forgiving, forgetting. It means choosing not to remember. You make a decision not to remember. Choosing not to dwell on people's mistakes, people have offended you, people have hurt you. Choosing not to really dwell on their shortcomings, um, the things they have done against you. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, and in many other scriptures, God says, I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. He uses that term, I will remember them no more. God doesn't just forget our sins. Um, you know, it's not about getting them out of the memory. It's not about forgetting. It's really choosing not to remember, choosing not to focus on them or to bring them up again and again and again, and not, uh, choosing not to keep records of them, but choosing to release. Um, so even if they come up again, you basically just release. There's a Proverbs in 17 verse 9. Proverbs, there's a proverb in, in Proverbs 17 verse 9 that says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it, dwelling on that fault, separates close friends. Close friends can be separated by dwelling on a fault. So forgiveness does not mean forgetting. It simply means choosing not to remember. The other one that is sometimes misunderstood is forgiveness does not mean there are no consequences. Forgiveness does not mean there are no consequences. This is especially true when it comes to matters of trust. If people you trust let you down, depending on the issue, then yes, you need to deal with them in forgiveness, with a heart of forgiveness, but you also need to deal with them with wisdom. So if somebody, for example, is abusing children, abusing children, we can extend forgiveness towards them, but really, it would not be wise to put them in a situation where they're exposed to children. That's wisdom. If somebody has stolen money from your business, okay, we can operate in forgiveness towards them, but really it would not be wise to expose them to more money. Okay, so forgiveness does not mean there are no consequences, especially on this issue of trust. We need to operate with wisdom despite having a forgiving heart towards others. So as I conclude, Forgiveness is an essential part of every believer. We need to operate in, 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 in forgiveness, the heart of forgiveness, 
within the kingdom of God. Um, and Jesus really made this very clear. If, if you have the time, I, I ask you to go home and just meditate on this parable. It's an amazing parable. It really talks about forgiveness, how we operate in forgiveness. And if you want to experience the abundant life, the free abundant life that Jesus has promised us, it is something that we need to take to heart. We need to apply these principles and walk in them. Walk in godly forgiveness. Okay? So as we finish, Alex is going to come up and uh, uh, do a song on for, on, of forgiveness. Um, but I want, I want to pray for two groups of people in this place. And you're going to, I'm going to ask for your forgiveness. This might extend for like five minutes. <laughs> so it's a good practice, okay? So just have five minutes over. But I want, to ask for, I want to pray for two groups of people here. The first one is I mentioned that, you know, we have the ability to forgive as believers, but there may be some unbelievers here. Maybe you just came in this morning and you're just here to enjoy the atmosphere. We welcome you. We love you. Um, but there's tremendous benefits to being a believer because you have an amazing capacity to actually operate and walk um, according to the spirit of Christ. So if you're here, you've never really made Christ the Lord of your life, or maybe you don't even understand what that means, I would like to pray for you. Maybe this is a turning point for you. So I'd request that maybe you rise to your feet or you put up your hand, whatever is comfortable for you, and we're going to pray for you. So that's first group. You've never, never made Jesus the Lord of your life. It's something you've never thought about, but this is a moment where you want the capacity to forgive, to walk according to the Spirit of Christ. This is an invitation for you. Anybody? Okay. The second group of people I'd like to pray for is maybe even operating with a spirit of unforgiveness. You've struggled with unforgiveness for a very long time. And you'd like to make this a turning point in your life. You'd like to put the past behind you to, and to walk in this amazing power that God has deposited in your life of forgiveness, to enjoy the benefits of forgiveness. So I ask you to rise to your feet as well, and we are going to pray for you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So church, we're going to extend our hands towards these people who've stood up. And just agree with them that they will walk, this will be a turning point, they will walk free from the spirit of unforgiveness. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for the lessons that you have taught us this morning. Thank you that you forgave us on the cross and you demonstrated what true forgiveness is like. Thank you, Lord, that you have deposited your spirit of forgiveness on the inside of us. And Lord, I pray for these who have stood up as an act of faith. I declare right now that they are released from the past, from holding on to unforgiveness, and they are released into the future to receive and walk in the blessings of true forgiveness. 
I rebuke anything that might be holding them back and might be bringing back again and again the issue of unforgiveness. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And I release them into the love and the grace and the compassion that God, our Father, has for us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you minister to them. And we agree that indeed you are a spirit of comfort, of strength, of ability, of power, and that you operate in their lives accordingly. Bring the fruit of true forgiveness in their lives. Let it come alive. Let it be manifested in their lives that they will walk away from unforgiveness and walk to glorify you because they have received your forgiveness, they can now release that forgiveness to others. We pray all this magnifying your name, O oh Lord, for you are a good God. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed.